Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show. With you throughout the 2018 Walter, I'm Bradley Wiggins. I'm Adam Blythe. And I'm Adam Green. And coming up today, we look back on yet more success for British cycling as Simon Yates wins Love Welter. And we'll also be hearing from Tour de France winner Geraint Thomas to talk about his wonderful summer. Hello, Brad. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah. Adam, nice to have you back with us. Thanks for having as me. Well. Uh, have you got hold of a new bike yet? Or are you persevering uh, with the old one? I'm still on it. I'm He's st- made amends with three teams. Still on it, yeah. They've promised to sort any problem out. He's got, and that's a yeah. You know, that's like a car, you know. There's a guarantee with it. And yeah, gonna, exactly. I'm going to go touring on that gravel bike, which looks absolutely brilliant. So yeah, I'm going to go on that. <laughs> Thanks, three T. So every, everything's good in your cycling world. Everything's fine and dandy. Yep, thank you. We're Can you talk about, about the new team? Uh, at this stage, not yet. No, okay. a couple of days, but I've right. signed somewhere, so that's good, good yes. news. Okay, because last time we spoke to you, you were looking to the future and you weren't quite sure. Yeah, I can't say. Yeah, I can say it's World Tour, so that's good news. But yeah, I'm all sorted. So you thankfully. can delay being a porn star for another year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more year. Oh well, congratulations. Good for you. No doubt we'll hear about that. You will see Thank you. Um, Brad, it is time for your weekly shirt. My weekly shirt. What Wait. have you brought for Brown's us this time? Vintage corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week, last one for the World Tour. Lewis Ocaña, 1973. He wore this in the time trial stage of the Vuelta that year. Uh, the race was won by Eddie Merckx. It was the only Vuelta Merckx did um, because he didn't go to the Tour that year, having won four tours and was getting abuse from the French. So much like Froome got this year, Merckx was doing that. So he went to the Vuelta and won it. So that was the time trial stage that year. Um, Lewis Ocaña wore the Spanish champions jersey. Of course, he went on to win the Tour. So... Another bit of history then. That was Brad's weekly vintage corner. <laughs> you can see more of that on the Eurosport website as well. Yeah. Go on there and have and a look. And my new book, which comes out on the 3rd of November, which is Icons of Cycling, which has got all the jerseys in from 21 Icons. Ah, uh, so this was a clever ploy to lead course, up to this my, moment. My f- show, for God's sake. <laughs> now, there's only one place to start. That is has Simon... Your head on <laughs> no, it, the it wouldn't show. fit for a start. There's only one place to start then. Simon Yates has won the Vuelta. And then we wait. We wait, of course, for the winner of this race, Simon Yates. And here he comes in his pomp. A braver rider you'd be hard pushed to find. The way he handled himself with dignity in the Giro is something to behold. And the way he has dominated La Vuelta here is just... Absolutely remarkable. Chapeau, sir. All three Grand Tours have now gone to three different riders of the same nation. The first time that's ever been done, as we know. Now, Simon Yates achieved this away from the big bucks, if you like, of Sky. An incredible achievement, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. I think for him, you know, being the bike racer, he's not like the typical, no offence, he's not like the Sky guys that have come through that are all like power meters and you know riding super hard all the time he's a proper bike racer and for me the way that he won was just through pure bike racing it wasn't riding at 
400 watts or 450 watts for five minutes. You'd, you'd never see him back off like Froome does or any of that. He's just wanting to get stuck in. So, yeah, the way he's won it is it's sort of like he's like the new Valverde in cycling, I think. He really wants to get stuck into those those races and to win it how he did, yeah. Class. Yeah, I said to someone yesterday, and I'll ask you this, but had he gone to Sky back when, you know, he got up there in a tour, yeah. around, I don't think he would have won the Volta. Nah, I don't think it. I yeah, think it a few like years a ago, Like a sliding yeah. doors moment, whether his career would have gone this path where he just fell into the kind of Yeah, I don't think working. he would have, yeah. I think he'd have been just made into like Chiato is now, yeah. you know, just one yeah. of those guys that pulls super hard on the front. Probably, sadly, if Teo doesn't do it, he might be made into that guy where yeah. he's super domestique. But they obviously, you know, if you're like that good like G's been... Eventually might come good, but no way would he yeah. have won it so early. At 26, and I think, you know, so by nature, the fact that Sky wouldn't take Adam on as well, they they come as one package that he, uh, you know, has ended up having a great team, found a great team and won a grand tour at 26. Uh, he first came to our attention with a gold medal at the World Track Championships in 2013. Did you know him back then, Adam, coming from a similar part yeah. of the world? He's always been kicking around, but him and his brother, I remember when they first started on the track, they did track league and they were just like little guys and they always used to have matching kit on and bright yellow shoes, black bikes, I think they were Fuji bikes or something, but they were always just never really super, super fast. They were just always just a little bit better than everyone else, but not excellent. So you couldn't have predicted this necessarily. No way. Like looking back, even on the academy, I mean, you rode that tour of Britain when he won that yes, stage. Yeah. I think it was Hater or something. Hater, yeah, yeah. And it was just then, he's like, what he did there is what he's doing now, but just he's just upped his game so much. And he's, it's great to see that, for me, a proper bike racer coming through and doing it like that. You know, he's not, he's not about the numbers. He's just about getting stuck in, which is mega. It's almost that swashbuckling style that, that fans like to watch. Yeah. Do you you as racers like to watch that as well? Then yeah, it's very it's unpredictable. I think it's like the Giro this year. Until that day where he blew up, you were like almost guaranteed he was going to win it. He looked so strong, but yeah, he's just from Vuelta to the from Giro to the Vuelta. He's just yeah, he's got even better. And I've learnt so much from the Giro f- failure. I suppose. Well, it, I think it, he did. I think as that's that. probably was was the massive we said about whether that was a huge learning curve for him. And I think it probably was. It was probably, in some ways, the best thing that ever happened to him because he'd learnt from it and now he's won the Volta. Um, and he, you know, at 26, he's got chances to win more Giros, more mm. tours down the line. And there's only one way to learn, and that's by you know mass failures like that, really, which it must have been hugely disappointing for him. Is there any difference in the two races, in a way, in what's in his legs? Or did the pressure get to him at the Giro? He learned from that, and he learned how to cope with that at the I Vuelta. I think they're quite similar. I mean, they're both similar races in that they're, they're full on. You know, There's no pattern to it like the Tour, where you've got a week on the flat, mountains, flat, transition, mountains. The Vuelta and the Giro, just, you know, it's savage all the way from start to finish, so... In some ways, it suits him, doesn't it? That yeah, kind of that yeah, madness, yeah, sure. you know, the crashes, the crazy climbs, crazy descents, kind of unpredictability. One guy losing 10 minutes one day, one guy gaining three the next, crazy finishes, you know, small, narrow. It suits him because he's that kind of yeah. rider. You know, he's, he, he, he just, we saw him the other day. I actually thought for a moment that the legs might be falling off when Valverde took eight seconds out of him on that steep climb. Yeah. And then the next day, he attacked with 11K to go. And <laughs> so he's just, yeah, superb. And that race... That, as Adam said, that racer in him, that really suits things like like the Vuelta and the Giro. I don't think that he may never win a Tour de France because it's so 
it's so there's such a pattern to it. Yeah. You were talking about his style, Adam. Yeah. Are you impressed that he has almost reined in his his natural attacking instincts, hasn't he? Over the course of those three weeks, it, it wasn't quite as as daring do as as <sighs> it might have been. I think the only thing with the Giro, I think he's the same rider he was, and he's just treating it differently. I think the Giro, if you look at what he did, he had to put time into Dumoulin for yeah, that I time think that trial. Was his downfall. Yeah, and, and I, I think know why he would that. have been saying that to him, wouldn't it? Yeah. That, you know, you need to take time on Dumoulin and Froome and these guys, and that, that's what killed him in the end, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think definitely. Because you think you attack day after day after day, and in the Vuelta, he only attacked, what, really the last K? That's how he took all his time, and just short, explosive efforts. But in the Giro, it was like six, seven, eight, ten, twenty-minute efforts that he really had to put in big. Yeah. That took it out of him, and yeah. I think that's why... You know, he did well in that time trial the next day, and that big mountains day, he just exploded. Has there been more of a calmness to him at the Vuelta, do you think? I don't think so. I think he was quite calm at the Giro. I think he was just, I think maybe they, they were being realistic that they thought that they would need a lot more time on Dumoulin mm. because of the nature of the time trial, because of how good they were in time trial in Froome and Dumoulin. And this one that we spoke about last week that, Valverde, Quintana, Pino, they were all similar time trialists. They were all going yeah. to be within 20, 30 seconds. So there wasn't that pressure of Dumoulin breathing down your neck and a Chris Froome breathing down your neck. So he knew he had it in the bag. He just had to be careful. And, and I think that's where someone like Matt White would have been brilliant for him talking to him. I mean, when you see Simon giving interviews, you can see there's Whiteyisms in his yeah, what yeah, he's saying. Yeah. I mean, there was a classic one the other day. He goes, today's finished. He's got that very kind of weird, very Spanglish accent now, Simon, <laughs> where he chucked in a today's climb was filthy. Yeah. And that's such a Matt White, you know, saying. So, yeah. you, you know, he couldn't have a better person in his ear than Matt White. During that, during that Walter, and... has he has he impressed you both with how he's handled everything off the road with the media circus and with those interviews? He, he's maintained he's the like that. I don't remember a time when he's not yeah. been like that. I think the nice thing about him, him and I, and his brother, they're just not bothered about interviews. They're not bothered about being who they are. Someone off the bike, they just yeah. they just want to be who they are on the bike, and it's sort of that classic thing, like your legs do the talking. Yeah. And they don't see the need to go and do an interview after the race and have a chat about how they perform today. They do because they sort of have to. It's part of the job. But I'm sure if they didn't have to, they'd just be straight on the bus. And they gave short shrift yeah. to answers about the team not doing enough work, didn't they? Just shut those down straight away. You know, he, he dealt yeah. with those interviews. Yeah, yeah. Just, bluntly. I think that's a part of where they come from as well, and the, the family around their dad's a great guy as well. And you know, they've just been brought up really well. You know, and they just there's no nonsense with them. They're not rude. They're not like they've got massive egos. You know, they just do the business. And even, you know, the, the dignity showed when he did blow up at the Giro, you know, his composure in the interviews afterwards. And they're just no nonsense bike riders. They just get on with it. Yeah, it's good. It's nice to see that. You don't really get it these days. You just get a load of politically correct interviews after and, we and get all key like, messaging that you've got yeah. to get across <laughs> yeah. and all this. And it's just no. And I think that's the beauty. They've been allowed to shine in that team because. Australian mentality as well. You've been in that team. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. they're like. It's, it's good, uh, really good. It's and nice. a, bit of, a bit of fire in the belly as well, shouting at Quintana on, on the stage the other day, so yeah. having a go at him out there on the road. I think it's good to see. You know, he's leading the race. He's proved where he can be and he's leading that race. So, yeah, why not shout at him? If he's if don't feel he's pulling his weight, then he's in he's in the right position to shout at him for sure. Just a shame about the welding glasses they wear. <laughs> <laughs> they are <laughs> big, aren't they? They are big. They'd almost fit on my head, I think. Uh, now, we keep hearing that it's a golden era of 
of British cycling. But that's a phrase that's not going away anytime soon. Let's not forget, British riders have now won the last five Grand Tours, which is an extraordinary thing to say, isn't it? When we started yeah. this podcast, Brad, could you have predicted G would have won the Tour? Simon win Well, I think we did, Walton. didn't we? We said he's capable of it, and we knew that Simon was capable of a Grand Tour because we saw him at the Giro. To execute it and to do it is obviously another thing, but... I'm certainly not surprised. I know it's been history has been made, but it's no surprise. I mean, these people have been knocking on the door for years behind Chris and that. So, no, no surprise at all. I mean, in 2003, when you started riding Grand Tours, it wasn't always like this. No, was it wasn't it? at all. No, it was David Miller, of course, who was winning stages then, but that was it. Um, you know, and it was it's, it was a long time after that before you know anyone. But yeah, it's. Uh, these, I guess, like these guys of that Dave Miller generation, it, it you know, grind is like that kind of, we keep saying that 2003, class of 2003, Cav as well. Yeah. They were the first ones that kind of came through Rod's system. And then the academy after that, it's, all it's done is filter these riders into the pro ranks right right up to now, continuing really with Owen Dahl, Dibbon, there's so many of them now it's not like yeah. back in the day when Cab went there's literally like five guys you can yeah. count your hand that went through but now there's so many of them yeah. that you just lose track of like this Ethan Hayter yes he was kicking around in Tour of Britain I think he's 19 Stagiaire with Sky and he, I think he was 13th overall in Tour of Britain and he just came straight off the Europeans won them I think he won the elite one and the under 23 so he's yeah. it's guys like him coming through it's British yeah. side going to take him yeah. Just... So we're getting things right. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Can you almost look back to, I don't know, Chris Boardman's gold medal, the Barcelona Olympics, as, as maybe the, the point where it all began? I yeah. don't think so. I think the point where it all began was like Beijing. And then after that is when basically London, I think, when you won the tour yeah. and a couple of years before that, I think that's when it all just suddenly changed. And it was always being good before then. I think when you were there, Cav... The track was big, wasn't it? But then the road took over, yeah. Yeah, I think when, the road you, took off. when you... When Cav was going for that medal and after the track, mm. everyone got behind cycling a lot more. Cav's world's win, that was a big... Yeah, I think from then big, on big it big suddenly point. changed. But I think back in Boardman's yeah. era, it was it started, but yeah. it was just so long ago that yeah. no one probably knew what cycling was, but or a time trial was back then, really. But right up to the modern day, we've got more velodromes, more people riding bikes. That makes a huge difference, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah, it's just because it just snowballs, you know, Insp- people inspire the next gen. And, you know, that was why Geraint's tour win was so good, because look at the effect it had in Wales, you know, the velodromes mm. named all them kids down Mainly track now think that they could one day win the tour. You know, how many kids now in Berry going to one day think that they can win the Volta? You know, it's just because once someone does it, the next person thinks they can do it. So that's, that's the inspiration piece, you know. How important was the velodrome, do you think, for the Yates brothers in their development? Well, I'd say for anyone... It's how they started, wasn't it? Yeah, they it's how they started, yeah. yeah. It's how all of us started. I started there. You probably started on a track eventually after yeah. a couple no, of No, I started in Hernhill in London, yeah. So I think... <laughs> That's a nice thing that I think they started on the track and they've progressed into these great road riders. So the track's definitely important for them. And I think you learn so much off the track about stuff that you'll never, ever see on the road. It's just something so simple, like in a sprint, so simple as just laying off. You'll never see someone that's done the road lay off anyone. But on the track, you know if they've ridden the yeah, track by That's before. why Viviani's so good as on this the road, is why, isn't it? Yeah, Sargon needs to get on the track, don't yeah, he? Do does. a six day yeah, or something. Yeah. But no, I think the track you learn a hell of a lot. And when you're young, it's sort of... It's in you then for your life. You you take that with you everywhere you go. Yeah. There's, what other things can you learn then when you're there at the track that, that can transfer and, and, and push you forward? Well, I think initially it's like it, it, it's the first signs that you've got an engine. 
there's no hiding in the track if you're doing a team pursuit effort. Not everyone's a team pursuer, but you you end up falling into team pursuit efforts at a young age, whether you're on the academy, it's inevitable. That's the mainstay of what you do is like bread and butter. We're going to do rolling 4Ks, under gear, high (laughs) cadence. And it's like you soon see who's got the engines and guys with massive engines like Ian Stannard, he never really shone on the track, did he? Nuh-uh. Which you'd think that that would be his playground, you know? Yeah. Ben Swift, the power and the sprint he can produce on the road. You know, he tried team pursuing and he just he couldn't get on at the start or he struggled, you know, with the high speeds, which was crazy. He couldn't, you know, for someone who could sprint so fast and nearly win Milan-San Remo that he couldn't team pursue. Yeah. So it, it, it can change. But Geraint, I mean, from a young age, everyone used to say, God, this guy's class, you know, he's a real... Mm. So, does it show a mental toughness as well? Because I mean, at the end of the day, you're not actually going anywhere. You're just going round a track. You're not you're not out and about on the roads, taking in all the sights and smells and sounds. You yeah. you're just there to ride. Yeah, I'd say so. At that age, I think when you're sort of on the academy area, you're like 18, moved out of home, and you go into such a structure that you are leaving your house, going with your mates as such that are all riding the track. But you're in the track two, three times a day, doing gym in between it, and then you've got all the physio and everything that there. So you are. You do have to get mentally tough, and I think for a lot of the lads, if they when they leave the academy or if they don't carry on with British cycling, I think it's very hard for them because they go to if they go to live in Belgium, they've left this super professional setup and go to somewhere where you just got a jersey, a bike, a kitchen to do your own cooking. You've got no physio, so I think it's good in a way, but at the times you don't learn how to be a professional yeah. bike rider as such is it could get a bit spoiled as well i think that's yeah. it can work both ways. i mean adam was in both systems yeah and kind of left the british system and went off and did it himself and went to belgium and kind of it's just very different on the track you you've got everything there you don't ever need to worry about oh my bike's broke or something like that if your bike breaks at british Island, you get a new bike your bike breaks in belgium if you haven't got a sponsor you've got to go buy another one so it's very much you sort of learn to fend for yourself when you were when you go and do it yourself, but I guess it's doing it yourself like the old school way, and you'll know more about that. It's yeah, just, it's, yeah. Get a bike, go and win bike racing. If you'll do it, you don't have to get on a power meter and do 400 watts for 20 minutes, and then you'll get a contract sort of thing. It's just about winning races. But that's what cycling is these days, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you jump on a power meter, and no one looks at your results. They've got this Zwift Academy, which I think is great, but you could be you could be blind yeah. and doing it and they'll be like, right, we'll sign you because you can do these what? That's but... what I think is so good about Simon's win, isn't it? Because yeah. he's not like that. He's a proper, like an old school racer. Yeah. What's refreshing as well, you know, it's really refreshing. What's next for him, do you think? What does he do next? Well, I wonder if he'll go back to the Giro next year now and try and conquer that again. Yeah. Because it will suit him rather than, you know, I think the natural thing is now for people to say, oh, he's going to go for the Tour next year. I still think that he's got time for that yeah. and, and actually could win a Giro before he goes to do I the Tour. I think before that as well, I think he'll try and win the world. Him and his brother, it perfect to, for yeah. him, yeah. yeah. I think, like you said, if they can keep their heads on for a couple of weeks... There's no got... reason for them not to, is there? Yeah. Not them type of people, are no. they? They're not going to be in Yates's bar in Manchester tonight. No, exactly, a Tiger Tiger. <laughs> so they'll be back in you know, Andorra, out on the bikes tomorrow, yeah, I exactly, imagine. Yeah, so, yeah, they will be. So I think that that's the next, for me, that's the next big thing. And if yeah. they can win that, that'll be big. Right, well, we'll be back with more after this. Eurosport Player is the place to watch the UCI Road World Championships live and on demand. Follow the action from every race as Cycling's Elite battle for the rainbow jersey and catch up on all the best action available on demand. Visit eurosportplayer.com now to sign up. 
Right, let's look back at the past week's action at La Vuelta. It was clear from early on in the week that Nairo Quintana wasn't going to challenge and this would come down to a battle between Yates and Valverde with Enric Mas and Miguel Angel Lopez trying to force their way into contention. But it was Friday's stage up the Col de la Rabassa where Yates really showed he meant business, riding away with Pino to take over a minute on Valverde. Is that when you knew your man Valverde wasn't going to do it? Yeah, I mean... The day he took eight seconds off Simon, I thought, you know, they might, but it just shows you we spoke with Sean last week. There's, there's just, these climbs are unforgiving. There's no, you know, if you crack, you crack. And likewise, if you've got the legs, as we saw, Simon cracked a bit when Valverde went and took eight seconds off him. day later, the roles were reversed and Adam's riding away with the welter. So it just shows you, and Quintana really did drop away, didn't he? I mean, he, we, we thought a week ago he might he might actually be the surprise winner of this race. Yeah, the Movistar dream did come to an end on Saturday, both Quintana and Valverde coming in over three minutes down up the Colada de la Galina. Yates rode it tactically perfectly, didn't he? He was so impressive. Yeah, he did. He timed his, his attack right, and he just he saw what was going on in front. He saw a couple of guys going away. We were there on GC. He looked at you know Alessandro and Nairo to close that down, and after a while he realised he couldn't, launched his attack, and then just put the hammer down when he got there, and... Yeah, it just shows his class that he's able to do that and watch that situation. There's no panic thinking, oh, them guys are going, he can, he'll be able to jump across to that. So, yeah, super, super good ride. Mass and Lopez were up the road and he bridged that gap like like it was nothing. Yeah, and he, he, he seemed to get better in the last few days, but for that little blip where he lost eight seconds to Valverde, um, he was just, uh, he didn't put a foot wrong really the whole welter, did he? I mean, he, he, he just seemed to get stronger and stronger. Once he got that jersey, you know, kind of, I think. It was always, the Vuelta must have been on his mind, you know, especially how brutal the last week was. Yeah. And he must have been just constantly like, is this going to happen again? And I think, as Adam said earlier, he wasn't making those big 16K solos, you know, towards the finish and really emptying the tank and played it perfect, absolutely perfect. Well, the Spanish media is talking of a four-legged Yates. How important was Adam in the mountain stages, do you think? <laughs> I think it, it's like any teammate, really. I don't think it matters if it was Adam or another guy. I think anyone who's there at the finish, it's nice at his brother, but it could have been anyone. But yeah, it's super to see, and especially for Simon and Adam, I think to have your brother there alongside you on such a big moment when you are literally riding your brother into winning the Vuelta, it is pretty special. So yeah, I'm sure he'll be uh, asking for a bit of his bonus, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> It must mean a lot, must not it? You've got a joint bank account, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> must mean a lot, Brad. That they, you know, they are. Yeah, but that's doing what they're like. They, 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 they're so close, and uh, you know, they, they do it. I think a Yates victory, whichever one it is for them, is the same. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I know sure. it'll mean just as much to Adam as it would to Simon. So, it's that's quite a special and unique relationship they got, and you know, they they are. Both in their right, amazing. I don't know which one would you say is still the best bike rider. I mean, it, oh, know, it changes yeah. all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. Adam was touted as the better one a yeah. few years ago, and Simon's now come and won a Grand Tour. So they are just completely equal, I reckon. It's just there's no difference between them really. I think Adam had a bit of a crap season this season, yeah. mid-season, and he's not really picked up from it until the end of the welter. But yeah, he's. Uh, I'd say you probably see Adam up there again in a Grand Tour, maybe the Tour, maybe the Giro. How nice would be if Adam won the Giro? Be nice, wouldn't it? Mm keep Obviously. the British run going exactly yeah. extraordinary wouldn't Might it get to a stage where they win all three grand tours in the year the Yates brothers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean we laugh yeah. but it's yeah. Yeah. it wouldn't be yeah. possible isn't yeah. it yeah. exactly 
Uh, well, let's have a look at some of the other Vuelta talking points from the past week. A shout to Thomas de Ghent. He so often animates the race, but has finally been rewarded for his efforts in the shape of the mountain jersey, which is great to see a rider being rewarded for for animating. Oh, I thought you'd say he was going to get an MBE then. Yeah. Have you in the same team with him? At one I've point? never been in the same no. team, but he's just a menace. He's that one person where he's the... Break... one-man team, isn't he? Yeah, he's just thought he must have been like Jens Voigt when you arrived. Yeah, in... or he's like Mark McNally is in the Tour of Britain. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a breakaway in the Tour of Britain that Mark McNally hasn't been in. <laughs> and, and Thomas is like that in a Grand Tour, you know? It's, it's so just... annoying, though. It's that breaks going and you're on the limit. It's been going for about an hour. And you'll be like, oh, it's gone and everything settles and it'll be one guy and it'll be one important guy and it'll genuinely be him. Then it'll all kick off again and he'll just keep drilling it for an hour. It's just, he's the worst person to have in a break, but also the best if you are in the breaks, you know it'll probably stay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he, his contribution in the breaks is immense. And he's oh, normally the one that's driving yeah. it along. Yeah. So uh, he's a brilliant rider. It's good to see. He's, I think for him, he's just, he loves getting stuck in and he loves the sort of pain aspect of it. He just doesn't try to attack. He just tries to ride people off his wheel, which nowadays you don't see. So I think for him as well, it's like that typical hardcore Belgium. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I would kill them today. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> for him, I'm sure he'll get in the brink and be like, oh, unlucky guys. <laughs> <laughs> he raced off straight away on Saturday, didn't he, to get those points to basically seal the jersey. Yeah, which is good to see. I think if you can see it there and, you know, he's been in a million breaks throughout his career and if he just goes in one more, he'll get a jersey, then, yeah, why not? Go full gas. Uh, let's talk about another when Michael Woods of EF Education First Drapak won in the fog up the Balcon de Biscay and it was his first ever World Tour win and an emotional one. He's had some tragedy in his personal life. It was an incredible finish, the race, the effort he was putting up, up those ramps at the top. It was, yeah. it was almost in slow motion, wasn't it? And a, and a great win for him. I read the story on that and his interview after and I don't know if you did, but he, his wife was meant to give birth yeah, and he had a stillbirth. Yeah. So I think, I think for that to happen is just for him personally, it's incredible. And I think for everyone watching, they can see his pain and they can see why he did it. And if, you know, the reason that he did go so deep and so hard was was for his lost son, sadly. So, yeah, absolutely incredible that he got that victory and could dedicate it to him. Mm. I mean, it did take him to another level, didn't it? He yeah, was, I mean, you he was going so the deep. pain he must be feeling anyway. And, mm. and a pain like that riding up that climb was probably nothing in comparison. So, in some ways, it took him to another level and... Um, I don't think anyone would have denied him the victory that day, but we saw the guys coming in behind and the effort they were making as well, just collapsing off the finish line. And yeah, it was some finish that, and obviously with the fog, it added that extra element of, um, you know, drama and, it was a classic Walter finish. Mm-hmm. It, it really was. Uh, the following day, Yellow Willays and Sven Eric Bystrom were the last survivors of the break and held off the pack by a whisker. Yellow taking the win. Peter Sagan was flying up the road and nearly caught them. Didn't though. <laughs> yes, crucially he didn't. Didn't. Well played sprint. No, that's what it's good about when you see racing like that. And a, when a break stays away just from them little moments, that's what we all watch TV for. We can predict a bunch sprint and that day looked like it would have been. So, yeah, great to see someone just sticking their nose out. You saw what it meant go. to him after finish the guy won, yeah, didn't he? Like, it, was, yeah, it was good to see, you know, when you see that raw emotion like that, what it actually means to someone. It's, you know, because we're so used to not seeing that now. When someone wins, it's too cool for school. I'm not going to. But when you see it like that, you see what it means to someone. Mm. Well, somebody else that stood out this week, uh, Enric Mass, and he showed emotion when he crossed the line to win a stage. Do you think he's going to be the next big thing in Spanish cycling? He's, he's it's good. funny because, you know, if he, in some ways, the natural thing, you can guarantee Movistar are going to go and try and pick him up now. <laughs> 
And that could go either one, two ways. He could go to Movistar and end up just never repeating that for one reason or another. Or he could stay in a team like Quickstep. We've, you know, we spoke, you know, how great Quickstep are, etc. As a team, and he's shining there. And it may be that the reason you're with the likes of Brian Holman, you know, Rick Van Slyke, and all those people behind him, that he's able to to perform like that. And so, in some ways, if he goes to Movistar, it could end up. But they naturally will go after him. He's Spanish, you know, Valverde's. We keep saying he's on the way out. There'll be a classic one for him, but um, you know, I've seen it happen before with the likes of Igor Anton, who's retired this Volta. Um, he had a breakthrough Volta with Uskadi, Uskatel, and then was picked up by Movistar, and that, and they just seem to go backwards a bit, you know. And so yeah, I think it's a bit like Lander this year at the tour. Yeah, he was Lander again, yeah. He went from Sky and just being, you know, one of the best domestics, looked like he could win the tour, and he's just not useless. But two comparisons, the, rider, the, yeah. you know, the Sky, the way they work to uh, Movistar. Yeah. We've said already in podcasts previously, they're the only team that doesn't have a training camp, you know. So it's it's uh, <laughs> it's gold, yeah, brilliant. So. Mass would learn an awful lot from someone like Valverde, wouldn't he? Maybe at, at I don't age. know though. I don't know if you do. You see, this is this is the sort of misconception that quite a closed person. I don't know. I've never spent a lot of time around him, but he may be just on Alessandro's planet, and kind of that's why he does what he does. Just goes out training. It might just do six hours a day. You know, very simple, very basic race all season. You will hit highs. You will hit good form. Race hard, and you don't necessarily learn from people like that all the time. You know, when they're like that. So it could, again, could go either way, both ways. Well, he was your tip for the Vuelta. He didn't quite do it, but you did predict the winner of the stage into Madrid. Of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> Viviana with the win. For, <laughs> was that to be expected, do you think, given uh, the amount yeah. of sprinters that were left yeah, in the field? He's just his class, isn't he? I mean, I speak to him sometimes on WhatsApp and he's just such such a nice guy for a sprinter. Yeah, he is, he's yeah. one of the nicest sprinters you'll ever meet. He's just nice, blow it all and all. And, and he's, he's always got time for you. For an Italian, you know, an Italian champion, what it means to wear that jersey. And he's just a class act on yeah. the bike, off the bike on the track, the way he sprints. I mean, he's just, he, he's now, this is it now, he's now one of the best sprinters in the world. It's... Yeah. And a month before, he just won the Euros Team Pursuit, which is unbelievable yeah. these days. You can't yeah. imagine like Simon jumping off the track or any British rider really and then going and doing the Vuelta and three stages, I think he won. So yeah, unbelievable. And what did he win in the Giro 4, was it? And the points jersey? Yeah. Um, you mentioned about sprinters not necessarily being nice. Are they just a different breed? <laughs> well, no, a lot of them. Like Gripe was a lovely guy, you know, Cav, but they're, they're all different. They're all nice guys, other than Kittle, that maybe, but I don't know him personally. <laughs> Sorry. He's all right, I think. I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, in some ways, you have to have that kind of, you know, and, and Viviani does change when he's on the bike. You know, he won't give an inch. It's not, but he's, he's a gentleman, but. They have to have it because, as we spoke about during the tour, it's brutal in them finishes. You could not give an inch. There's no t- no space for being a nice yeah, guy, is no, there? It's not. You give a little inch away at the tour, or even the Vuelta, that's it. You or any sprint. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It? So yeah, he's a nice guy off the bike, but you get into that sprint, he's not going to just go, "Hey, my friend, go in there." He's, he's he'll knock you out of the way. Yeah. yeah, winner, 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 chicken dinner. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it for our Vuelta roundup. But we're back with Garrett Thomas. Great teams wear great kit. Fuel your passion for the latest cycling gear at the Eurosport shop with thousands of products and discounts on leading brands including Pearl Izumi, POC and Endura. Subscribe to eurosportshop.com now and get an additional 10% off your first order. Well, we're now delighted to be joined by Tour de France winner Geraint Thomas. Geraint, how are you? Good evening. Yeah, all good, thanks. All good. 
Um, tell us uh, from from your win. Obviously, when does the the partying stop? Well, it's end of season now, so you got to got to you got to carry on, haven't you? Really, but um, yeah, I know it's been a, it's been a crazy few months, but um, yeah, just enjoying a bit of downtime, like just hanging out with my friends and family now. So uh, yeah, it's been nice so far. All right, geez, Brad, do right, mate. Good mate, how are you? Yeah, got bad. Uh, has it sunk in yet? Tour de France, Dauphiné, all in the same year. I mean. Amazing, really. Win on Alpe d'Huez. I mean, as it, uh, do you get time to reflect now and kind of start to actually realise what you've achieved this year? Yeah, a little bit, I guess. I think um, it was kind of strange racing again, like doing um, Tour of Germany and then Tour of Britain and obviously feeling the effects of of the month after the Tour and things and not being too great. But uh, I kind of, it, it is slowly sinking in, but at the same time, um, I haven't spent much time back home in Cardiff, but, uh, you know, I've been there a couple of days and it's just bonkers there. And um, I don't think that will ever sort of, well, as you say, be the same again, really. And um, But, yeah, just just enjoying it. And uh, But, yeah, when you actually think, you know, Hop to Wales and the tour and, and Dolphin and everything, I think you'll, um, I don't know if you'll ever think in properly, you know. No. And then the Velodrome as well. I mean, like, just to see your name and picture up on the Newport Velodrome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, how many laps you've done around there and, I can remember back to 2004 when it opened and I did that meeting and you were there as a as a young yeah. kid at the BC dinner that year getting an award that night and you know you think 15 years on the place is named after you I mean that's that's quite quite something isn't it Yeah it's, it's bonkers really and like you, you never think about things like that the aftermath you always think about just you know dream of winning all these races and whatever but you never dream of like ah oh, you know I'm doing this I'm getting up for this time because I'm tired because I want to won the Valadrome named after me or whatever. So it is It is strange. All right, mate, it's Adam. Adam, how are you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. Are you? Good. Good, good, good. good. Hey, I was watching it Tour of Britain this year. How was that? It must have been um, Must have been nice to come home and get sort of a, a British welcome as such. Yeah, most definitely, especially because in France it wasn't um, the nicest of times. So it was nice <laughs> to sort of race in the UK and remind yourself that uh, people do like us as well. And... Um, yeah, it was just incredible, the amount of support and things. But um, like I say, it, it was obviously, it was completely different sort of feeling to, to maybe six weeks before in the tour. But um, Yeah, I was going to say, I watched yeah. a few stages. How, uh, how was it? I saw a little attack there coming into Newport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a bit of rush to blood to head, really, you know. Right <laughs> on his home roads, wasn't it? So I got a bit excited and attacked and... Um, as soon as I went, mate, I was like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, Garrett, did did any level of fitness drop off then after the Tour de France win to to when you got to the Tour of Britain? Did you feel very different? Oh, most definitely. I think I think the fitness was still there. That's what sort of got me through, really. But it was just the fact I was probably, well, I was at least three kilos heavier and I hadn't really ridden my bike. And um, it makes quite a big difference then when you're racing guys who, you know, are still well, super up for it and, uh, you know, talented and everything. So, yeah, it, it was completely different to July, but at the same time, um, like Dave was trying to tell me to, you know, you, you, you got the rest of your career to, to get drunk and enjoy it and stuff, but it, it, it's never the same in, in that moment, you know, and I wanted to really enjoy it. So, uh, <laughs> I did. But, uh, oh, some Rango rang you, didn't he? How was that? That must have been... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, that was strange. We were just at the airport, just about to fly to to uh, London for 
to go to Sky and um, yeah, Fran handed me the phone and it just said arson on it. And I was just a bit like, what's this all about? And he, he was speaking to him for a bit. I actually thought it was you. Doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, his accents and stuff. But yeah, it was... Uh, it was actually him in the end. Well, I think it was, unless you're going to tell me now it was you. No, it wasn't. Definitely wasn't me. No, no I don't do a good Arsene Wenger, but I do a good Unai Emery. So if he ever rings you, then you can uh, maybe think. But so, what for you comes next? You're not doing the world. So what do you what do you follow on with now? Uh, basically, just um, well until November, really. Just sort of enjoy a bit of downtime. Um, you know, I'll, I'll still be you know in France and stuff, and and well, Monaco and doing a bit of ride my bike a bit but um, just enjoy the, the downtime really because it's so intense when you get going you kind of need your, your blowouts and your downtime to then really get on it when, when you have to so um, kind of a free man until November which is nice What constitutes a good blowout for you then? Uh, a few beers and like uh, just like not having any uh, structure and, and like routine around you and just eating whatever you want whatever you feel like but to be honest, as soon as you've done that for two or three weeks, you've kind of had enough of it anyway and you want to knuckle down into a bit of structure and routine and, and training again. So, But uh, for instance, on Tuesday, I'm off to, to Barcelona to go and watch the game. So the, the Champions League against PSG, PSV, sorry. So, um, yeah, just doing stuff like that, which you never get to do, which uh, will be nice. And have you got any any thoughts on next year yet? Or, or is that still too early at this stage? You're not kind of thinking that far ahead? I haven't really thought about it, but um, you know, I kind of, I really, oh, I'd like to go back and uh, and try and defend it, obviously, because um, that would be well a, a nice little target. I think that would certainly get me out of bed in the morning. But at the same yeah. time, yeah, zero does feel like unfinished business. Um, so yeah, I think December time will have a, a clearer idea, really. And uh, what, what do you make of Simon Yates' win today? I mean, it's quite incredible, really, that you've all, all three British riders have won all three Grand Tours this year. And Simon, I mean, obviously you know him as well. And 26 years of age, it was quite impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I am pretty jealous, really, that he's done it at 26. <laughs> I have to wait till I was 32. <laughs> he's, he's got a nice uh, career ahead of him now. But uh, no, for sure, um, it's unbelievable what he's done. And his brother had him. You know, he's fourth at the Tour, maybe in 2016, which is even, you know, just as impressive. So those, those pairs for sure, they've got an amazing future and, you know, the worlds, they're going to be right in the mix as well. So, um, it was super impressive to watch. Yeah. And for you, Geraint, into next year, how will it work with Chris Froome? Do you think? I think, uh, if it was similar to this year and I, I won, I'd be happy. And I know you've got uh, things happening for the rest simple of that. <laughs> simple as that. I know you've got plenty coming up as well. You've got a book out, haven't you? Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. But well, just with the Froomey thing, I was, I was joking. I mean, like, you know. I think <laughs> ah, you weren't there. joking, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... That's where I went wrong, Gene. Don't start slagging him off from the ground his back. <laughs> no, I think, you know, we both go in there like, we're both going to want to win, aren't we? So we're both going there the best shape we can and we'll just be honest with each other like we were this time and hopefully, you know, it, you know, same thing can happen. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously my book comes out. Hopefully it'll be me. And, uh, yeah, I've got a book about the tour anyway. It's quality. I've spent a lot of time doing it and uh, it was it was, it was was quite it good to sort of relive it. Um, it's not in Welsh, but maybe we could translate it, yeah. But, um, 
you know, because it all sort of happens and you kind of, because you're in that bubble, you don't let yourself carried away, you don't get emotional and all this type of stuff. And it was nice to sort of um, relive it really over a couple of weeks. He obviously wrote it with Tom Fordyce and um, yeah, you kind of reflect on it a bit more than you probably would, which was which was nice. What was your favourite thing to reflect on then from that win? I think the Alpe d'Huez. No, actually it wasn't. It was, it was the last week because I think even at the time I got to enjoy it a bit, but reflecting on that whole last week where I just felt so like in control and, and um, it was obviously hard, but it never felt like I was it was just going to slip away. And um, yeah, so to relive that and obviously the time trial and just be yeah in control, I guess is the best phrase to use again, but yeah, just not, you know, had that buffer over Tom and, you know, was up on him and obviously had to slip with the back wheel and all that type of stuff. But just knowing I've got like basically two and a half minutes to lose here and you can kind of enjoy it in a in a weird way. Uh, what about the helmets? I won't, we won't ask about the helmets. Um, <laughs> Adam, have you got a question? Not really, mate. It's just, so you're done for the year, nothing else going on. Any plans for a nice holiday anywhere? Uh, off to America, actually. So uh, you you love the off season, though, don't you, mate? You, you're, that's your favourite uh, bit of the season. But uh... Uh, it's all round, mate, all year round, my off season. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only you joking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're we're doing a little tour of America, almost the East Coast. No, yeah. So we go to Miami and New Orleans, and Washington and Boston. So I'll be nice. Uh, Geraint, I know as well that uh, you, you're obviously very proud of, of the connections with Cardiff. You're going to be at the Motor Point Arena, an evening with Geraint Thomas and Ned Bolting as well. It should be good fun. I think, uh, well, Ned's uh, obviously hosting it, really, so pressure's on him to make it entertaining. I'm just going to answer his questions. But uh, no, should, we should have a good laugh and it should be good fun and uh, yeah, throw in a few uh, surprises along the way. Are those kind of evenings and, and that style of, of questioning something that you enjoy or have you had to learn to to enjoy the, the media spotlight more so after your win? Uh, those types of things are all right. It's just, um, I think the main thing is, is realising when you're actually doing an interview with you know a newspaper or, or a magazine or whatever, they're, they're always going to have a little agenda in the back of their head, you know, that's going to get a few uh, extra clicks or whatever, so... I think that's one thing to remember. But when it comes to you know evenings like that, then well, I'm guessing there might be a few journalists around as well. But uh, you know that, they are a lot more enjoyable. And uh, you know just when you get to, it sounds a bit cheesy, but when you actually get to meet you know your fans and things like in the tour of Britain, it was actually genuinely um, nice to do. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. What's the question you've been asked the most since the tour? I think everything to do with Froomey. You know when anything from how did it work to, you know, when did, when did I become the, the, the main leader and that type of stuff? Yeah, they love the, I don't know, any sort of aggro between us, really. And uh, talking of, of evenings as well, have you got a, a tuxedo sorted for Sports Personality of the Year? Because you, you've got to be in uh, with a huge shout there, haven't you? We're both, though, aren't you? Don't forget the World Sportsman of the Year. Well, of course, arguably more <laughs> which important. Which is more important than yeah. the other one, which is always <laughs> fixed. Because right. it's the BBC, it's always is fixed, it? you know. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. You go politically <laughs> correct and everything, isn't it? So, who have I got to speak to about that then? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You just got to make an impact on the night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, uh, yeah, they, that would, they'd both be awesome. I think you know, British sports society is uh, well, 
everyone knows about it, don't they? And it's um, it's been quite well. Everyone that's won it has been uh, exceptional. So just to be nominated would be would be great just to be there on the night. But we'll see. Ah, uh, you'll win it, mate. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I reckon. Nice one. Three votes at least. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Three, at least. Well, Garrett, thanks so much for your time uh, for joining us, and congratulations on everything you've achieved. Pleasure. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Right. Well, that's all from this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show. Thanks for joining us throughout a very special welter for British cycling fans. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me. Actually, I say it's over. We're not quite over, Brad, because we're back next week. Back next week with the World's Edition, aren't we? (laughs) Yes, we'll be back on Friday to preview the World Championship and have a look back on the season as a whole, and we hope you'll join us then. This has been a Muddy Knees Media production for Eurosport. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Visit Eurosport.com and the Eurosport app for an unrivaled world championship experience. Watch live video streams of every race with a host of extra features. There's up-to-the-minute live blogging and analysis from Felix Lowe and in-depth breakdowns of the showpiece events in how the race was won, plus comprehensive news, race clips and the best of Eurosport's live coverage. Eurosport.com is the only place you need to be throughout the world championships. 